The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Welcome to CPR Unplugged, where real people share real stories of hope, resilience, and inspiration. And we are joined today by Dr. Michael Weinberg. Dr. Weinberg has been with us before, and it's great to have him back again. Welcome, Dr. Weinberg. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be back. So today we wanted to focus on COVID-19. Wanted to speak with Dr. Weinberg today to ask him what sort of things he's doing to kind of grapple with the pandemic. Yeah, I've been thinking about this, of course, like everyone else, and what do we do? How do we cope with this? And I, it reminds me of when I've gone through very stressful times in the past, what did I do? And the pandemic certainly has its uniqueness in that it's not just an emotional stress, it also has this sickness that comes with it that could be lethal. So I, I look at it as I have to be as strong as possible to deal with whatever may be coming my way. And when I do that, I, I look at the psychological strengths that we all seem to have and how am I preparing those strengths? How am I keeping them alive within me? Because the more I feel that I'm in control of those strengths, uh, the better I feel in terms of dealing with the stressors that COVID produces. And, and it's not just the medical issue. It's talking to people who are easily irritable, the people that are at kind of the end of their rope, the people that I, I'm getting angering uh, behavior from that normally I wouldn't. And, and this is just all signs of, of the stress that's put on everyone around this uh, pandemic and on myself in terms of uh, being cooped up in the house. Uh, how overbearing can I become uh, with my spouse? So, and, you know, it's, it's just a very complicated situation. So I try to take complicated situations and break them down so they're manageable. And, and one of the things is the psychological strengths. And, and one in particular that I, I, I like to look at is our need to feel safe and, and our need for security. You know, I used to say that uh, you have to have healthy boundaries and, and I would put that boundary at a, about three feet, sort of an arm's length. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of my force field. I'm kind of Trekkie, so that's, <laughs> and that's the force field. But now yeah. I've, I've extended six feet, so <laughs> three feet's not good enough anymore. <laughs> no. And, and what that is for me emotionally, what, I, what goes through my head is that this is my force field. This is my, the distance that I have time to evaluate what's coming in my direction. So if someone is annoyed and someone is kind of agitated or irritable and they say something that, that is not um, very positive, uh, I don't want to overreact to that which again, these kinds of things seem to happen more and more because we are so much under stress. And so that external boundary that I talk about, my force field, um, 
it, it allows me to look at what someone is saying. And so, for example, if someone is saying something that is um, not very complimentary and they're very angry in the way they're saying whatever it is that they're saying, my external boundary kind of keeps out their facial face, their facial expressions, the way they're talking, the, maybe the angering words that they're saying. But I do let in the message that's behind that because I need to own that. I, it, I may need to own it anyway. You know, if I'm late for something that I should have done, uh, I mean, I have to own that stuff. But I don't need to own the, the uh, facial expressions, the body language that is screaming anger at me. Uh, that's about them and that's not about me. And that's what that external boundary does. And then there's the internal boundary, which I visualize sort of like a wetsuit. That's the boundary of containment. So when I am in my feelings, how do I articulate those feelings in a way that is assertive at times, but not aggressive? And, and what goes in my head that helps me do that is it's not okay to hurt people I care about. And so how do I be real and express my, my, my thoughts and my feelings in an appropriate way, in an assertive way possibly, but not aggressive or offensive? And so this is just one little piece of that psychological strengths. How do I stay safe emotionally when I'm with people or in situations where people are kind of tense and are saying things that normally maybe they wouldn't say or are acting in a way that's a little bit more assertive or aggressive than, than you feel comfortable with? How do you not get caught in that? And then you react to that. And now we got a snowball going. Yeah, and like you're saying, Dr. Weinberg, you know, we're all feeling a lot more in, insecure and unsafe in these last, you know, four or five months that we've been dealing with the, with the COVID. And so that's something to, to really keep in mind, I think, that uh, that feeling of safety and security has somewhat disappeared from all of our lives. Yeah. Yeah, because we feel very vulnerable. I mean, going to the grocery store and, and half the people wear masks. I know now, right now, everybody's supposed to wear masks. But a few weeks ago, I would say probably 75% of the folks weren't wearing masks. You know, and, and the kinds of masks we wear are the masks that contain our sneezes. Uh, it doesn't necessarily protect us from somebody else. Um, so it's kind of in our head, a psychological I feel safe. It's, I don't know if I am safe, but I feel safe yeah. kind of thing. Another psychological need I think we need to pay attention to is our spirituality. You know, especially when, when we went through this period and, and maybe going back into it where our churches, our synagogues and mosques are saying uh, we're closed for the, for the weekend, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, or we can meet, but we're going to meet in a uh, parking lot. Yeah, stay in your car, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Do a drive-in service. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, okay, so how do I meet my need for spirituality, um, whether it be faith-based or, you know, where we get our strength, that internal strength to deal with the stressors in life. And, and it's all around us, but we don't necessarily pay attention to it. We have some of the most beautiful sunsets on the planet. Um, and many people are in their car right around that time of the day or evening. And they're driving, you know, uh, 
bumper to bumper on the 101 or wherever. I mean, how many times do, do, do you just say, you know what, I've had enough of this, I'm pulling over. I'm gonna pull into a Circle K, sit in the parking lot for a little bit and watch this phenomenal sunset. And just suck it in, you know, take it in, make it a part of yourself. Or, or listening to, to music. Um, I, I discovered, uh, I think it was on Prime, Amazon Prime. They sure. have a channel for Broadway musicals. You can hear the, the you watch the entire Broadway production of, of a variety of musicals. We're members of uh, Arizona um, Broadway Theater, but they're closed. Yeah. So I really enjoy going out to the theater, but since I can't do that, sit at home, turn on the TV, listen to it in surround sound. When you need to go to the bathroom, put the stop it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your popcorn. Come on back. You know. So are we changing the the bar? You know that that we set the bar to be fairly high in order to meet our need. And now someone pulled the rug out from us. Can we readjust where that bar is so that we still can feel that spiritual connection? And it sounds like you're talking about uh, being mindful of those things oh, that absolutely. we need spiritually and to feel connected and to you know, feel uh, as a whole person as well as we're going through this, the things that bring us joy and pleasure and, you know, it still gives us that that spark and excitement as we're going through, you know, this this unprecedented time. Absolutely. And, and I think for many people, there is a very, a large part of their sense of being is tied into a spiritual connection, uh, whether it, again, is directly related to religiosity or faith or something more in nature or simple things like watching puppies play and sit back and, and just enjoy that, you know, okay. or, or, or children play. And uh, I, I, I was one of my million dollar ideas I never did anything about was uh, having a TV channel that 24 hours a day it just showed puppies playing <laughs> with each other yeah. and and the commercials would be dog food commercials and collars yeah. and things like that so that's how it would pay for itself and but you know depressed people at three o'clock in the morning are usually wide awake <laughs> sort of like the the puppy bowl that they yeah, do exactly. during the super bowl <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's three in the morning i can't sleep i'm obsessing on whatever is driving me into my depression i'll turn on the tv and i watch these puppies playing and i start smiling yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I got neurotransmitters now flying across my, my synapse. All right. So it's, uh, still reminding ourselves and being mindful to look for the little things that uh, bring us joy and pleasure. Uh, Absolutely. We're going through so much stress and, and insecurity. But, but I think Rob, it has to be purposeful. It, it can't be, oh, by the way, it, it's gotta be, I am planning on seeing that sunset. I am planning on a Saturday night getting in the car and driving 45 minutes outside the Phoenix area to a dark sky 
and and looking at the magnificent stars from from horizon to horizon that we get here in the desert. I'm planning on listening to uh, Phantom of the Opera this weekend. You know, it. I th- I think we have to schedule it in, unfortunately, or else it gets pushed to to the bottom of the list, and then it doesn't get done. And and that again is part of we look at it like vitamins i mean that they're the vitamins that keep us in that that place where we can take on some external stressors and not get so reactionary um our sense of power and esteem or worth is another psychological need i was uh, involved in a clinical supervision this past week where a patient came to us to one of the hospitals depressed as a, she's a teacher and teaching kind of dictated her sense of worth and been out of work for most of this past x number of months and unsure of what is waiting for her come fall where's my worth when that's what i dedicated my life to uh, I remember in my outpatient practice, I had a retired professor from one of the universities who, when she retired, she, she had written two articles that were published. The third article was rejected, and the fourth article was rejected. And she spiraled down into an s- extremely deep depression because she no longer had the classroom. She no longer had her comrades and allies in the academic community, her friends, her colleagues. And what she thought she could do would be to sit back and pontificate through writing and write some articles and everybody will want to read what she has to say since she's been in the field so long. And that worked for a couple of times and then it stopped working. And her sense of worth was all tied into that. So I, again, we need to look at how do I get my sense of worth and if, am I getting it from outside of myself? And what happens if I lose that? Where does my worth go? Versus, and we've talked about this before, but being able to own this concept that I am precious and I'm worthy of a good life in spite of my imperfections versus my imperfections dictate my worth. So the more imperfect I am, the less worth I have. Every time I share, I, I share this concept, it reminds me of a story that took place when we first came to Arizona. We had a, uh, a travel trailer, a 24-foot um, central air, yeah, beautiful kitchen, very nice bathroom, <laughs> a slide out. That was our version of camping. <laughs> and uh, so... I saw on the map this place called Lake Pleasant. So I thought I would drive out there in my pickup and check it out. And I did that with my son, Noah, who was at the time uh, probably around five years old, six years old. So we get out to Lake Pleasant, which, by the way, is a tricky name. There's not a lot pleasant about Lake Pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) So we got out there, and this was many, many years ago. There were no trees. It was just desert and a lake. 
And anyway, I always carried some fishing line and a pole in my pickup. So we went out and we ca I cast the line out to see if I'd catch anything. And right next to us was a couple with kids and they had a camper, one of those slide in to the pickup type campers yeah. and a uh, shell. And that's where they were sleeping. And they were, mom was cooking breakfast at the time outside with a, in a fire pit. And the kids were down by the lake with their Zepco 202 rod and reels having a blast. And dad was with them. And everyone seemed to be really enjoying their time together doing this camping. And I said to my son, Noah, I said, do I have more worth than this man because I have this 24 foot travel trailer with central air and look what he has. And I had to describe worth for Noah. So he kind of put it into his language and he paused for a few minutes. And then he said, no, dad, you just have more expensive toys. Now, I don't think when I was five or six, I would have been that smart. <laughs> that, that insightful. <laughs> <laughs> but where do we get our worth from? And, and if we get our worth from the things that are outside of ourselves, we know we can lose that. And right now, um, people are losing jobs. People are losing income. Um, people are really being pushed and stressed. And, and if that's where all their worth is, now that we've compounded that stressor, not only do I need to worry about how do I pay my bills, but I'm thinking about how do I get up in the morning? How do I face my day? And, and again, that's where I think you got to go deep inside and say, you know, regardless of my imperfections or the problems happening around me, I'm still worthy of having a good life. And when you say sense of power, Dr. Weinberg, I, it makes me think of, you know, how much more out of control the world feels and how that, that we feel even less in power of our own lives with, with so much going on that we just can't control. Is there anything else that you can recommend that, you know, when feeling that sort of way that could be helpful to maybe help bring back a little bit of that power? Well, a couple things. Uh, one is that we, we put too much of our power in the hands of other people. And we could start taking that back and I'll explain how to do that. The other thing is that we put false power onto ourselves as though we have power over things we really don't. But our language uh, suggest that. For example, how often during the day do you use the word have, H-A-V-E? I have to make this phone call. I have to go to the store. I have to pick up this. I have to do that. When you think about it. details to attend yeah. to. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think it would be an interesting, uh, for social workers who don't know what to do with themselves right now, that would be a good study. <laughs> study how often someone says the word have. <laughs> and I think what we'll find out is a whole lot of times in one day. Yeah, that's what it feels but, like. Yeah. <laughs> but what do we really have to do in life? I, I have to breathe. 
I hold my breath, I'll pass out and I'll start breathing again. <laughs> um, if I eat, the food will find a way out of me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have to pay taxes. I can hire an accounting firm that could figure out how to work around that so I don't pay taxes. Or I, I can choose not to make an income. If I don't make an income, I don't pay taxes. So, or I can wind up cheating and go to jail, you know, and, and have the IRS after you. When you really look at what are the things we have to do, we're looking at a handful. And that's it. Almost everything else is I choose. It's a choice. And that word or words, choose choice, is an empowering word. I'm choosing to do this podcast. I don't have to do it. I'm choosing to allocate the amount of time it takes to think about the subject matter and to actually sit down and, and share my thoughts with my colleagues. This is choice. I'm choosing to get up and work on a, an assignment. I'm choosing to stop working on that assignment. I'm choosing to go and lie down and take a nap. But when we say that word, it puts the responsibility of our actions back on us. And that's empowering. Does that make sense? It does, yeah, because it's, it's hard to, to get to that place of feeling like it's a choice. <laughs> when, when you have to eat and put food on the table and pay your bills and all right. that. But uh, yeah, because uh, I know that's something I struggle with at times. So, you know, I yeah. have to do this, I have to do that. You know? I, we and all I do. forget, yeah, that, it's, that there's a lot more choices out there than, uh, than we're willing to admit. Yeah, I, I'm choosing to pay the bills because I don't want the consequences of not paying the bills. I'm choosing to get up and go to work so that I can make the income so that I can choose to live the lifestyle that I have chosen. So just like, the, like you said, the change in the language, just one word or one just, phrase yeah. there puts, puts it in a whole nother perspective. And when we work with clients or patients, that becomes a powerful word in the therapeutic session. You know, when we, we articulate back to them, I hear the pain you're in. I, I can see what you're doing that is not working. Did you notice that, did you know that this was a choice of yours? And then, you know, I often get, what? <laughs> right, I'm sure. <laughs> so that, that's one thing. Um, the other is to understand what we truly do have control over. And that's, of course, um, primarily just ourselves. And uh, as a therapist, if I want to have a good day, I need to ask good questions to my clients or my patients. I need to know how to ask open and closed-ended questions. I need to know how to listen. And that means I have to stop thinking because my brain's not big enough to think and listen at the same time. So if I'm thinking, I'm in the past or I'm in the future. But I'm not in the present. Only in listening do I get into the present. And if I really want to learn someone, I need to be in the present. 
and then I, I need to do my homework. I need to know my, my trade uh, so that I can give the best alternatives and options. And then I need to do this in a loving, caring, compassionate way. And sometimes when appropriate with a sense of humor. And when I think about those things, asking a good question, listening intensely to the answers, giving the best options and choices you have, do your homework so you know what you're doing, and to do that, deliver that in a compassionate way, I, I feel good about what I did today because I did them to the best of my ability. When I don't do that, when I did not ask really good questions, I really wasn't listening, I was thinking. I wasn't very compassionate. I was a little sarcastic or, you know, then I feel bad. But I'm in control of that. And when I have shared this in presentations that I've given, I get teachers that say the same thing. I don't have control over this kid's grades. I have control over, did I ask good questions? <laughs> did I present the material as best as I can? Do I di did I do it in a, a caring way? You know, so it's kind of the same stuff. And then I think as a parent, did I really have control over my kids? <laughs> so it's not an all or nothing scenario, but on a continuum, the more you think about what you have control over, the more at ease you are. Because you're not dependent upon things outside of yourself to dictate to you your happiness. And I hear that so often of like, you know, if, if this hadn't been happening or if this person hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done that or I wouldn't feel this way. And so you're saying you're kind of uh, flipping it around to say that you have a choice of how you deal with all those things outside of us that we can't control. Exactly. And so someone may some, say something that you find to not be very uh, positive, could be degrading it could be you know just downright ugly um that's about them and how they're feeling right now now you may, may need to listen to the message because maybe you did do something you want to make amends for but the way they came across that's where you have to have good boundaries and not own that and if if i can stop owning other people's stuff boy what a load that is removed from you you know, when you can make that distinguishment between what's your stuff versus somebody else's stuff. And, and again, in our times that we're going through, people are stressed out. They're acting a little bit abnormally than they normally may act. And we can then become reactionary to that. And then that builds into the stress. And if, God forbid, we do get COVID, are we at the strongest place possible to deal with the COVID virus versus no, we're emotional wreck to begin with. And now we get it. And I mean, I know that the, the cure is a, a much more complicated than that, but I think we've proven from a scientific perspective, the emotional state that someone is in when they do get ill is a variable. You know, and so can we be in the very strongest place possible to avoid, be safe? And if God forbid we do get uh, the virus, how can we, what do we need to do to take care of ourselves to minimize the consequences of that virus? 
So what I'm taking out of what you're sharing with us today, Dr. Weinberg, is that you know within that uh, that that three foot uh, diameter, which is now six foot <laughs> diameter of what it is that we can control, which is basically ourselves, that looking at the at our own strengths and being able to make the choices that we need to to make sure that we're strong to be able to deal with yeah. all of the unknowns and all of the things that were that are outside of our control that are outside of our six foot diameter. Exactly. Yeah. And and to really pay attention to the little things, psychological need for love is is extremely powerful. Uh, that connection, and I know many of us are feeling that connection is being stretched by not being able to be with family. And uh, uh, you know whether it started in the spring, uh, uh, we had a Passover a virtual Passover, seeing everybody through the computer. Before you know it, uh, we're, we're gonna have 4th of July. We're going to have Thanksgiving. We're gonna have Christmas, New Year's. Who knows what's gonna be going on? We have to think creatively of how to stay connected to the people we love. And uh, the, best, the best day to say I love you is today because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And, uh, and that's with or without COVID. The best day is always today. Well, any, anything else you'd like to share with us, Dr. Weinberg, before we wrap up for today? Yeah, I think that, that what I wanna share as a summation statement is that we humans are very resilient. We have experienced really bad things in our lives, whether it be personal traumas, uh, losses, etc. We may not have experienced something that is so collective, like a pandemic, but we know what it's like to be scared. We know what it's like to hurt. We know what it's like to feel sick. And call upon those memories that you got through it. You were able to get through it. You not only survived, but you beat it and put that same energy into the challenges of today. You will make this work for you. You will not only just survive, but you will cope with it and you'll learn from it and you'll grow from it. And something good will come from what we all are experiencing today. Words to live by. <laughs> Well, thank you, Dr. Weinberg. It's always a pleasure to see you and to talk with you, whether it's in person or <laughs> thank you, Rob. On the internet as we're doing today. <laughs> and look forward to seeing you again in person, hopefully sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And thank us for this special episode of CPR Unplugged. Got questions or ideas for the podcast? Or perhaps you have your own story to share. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR Podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support. 